I'm Noah. And I'm Ben. And you're listening to Product Journey. How's it going, guys? We have Ben and Jesper on the line. We have a, a guest, Jesper. How are you guys both doing? Nice. Good pronunciation. I'm awesome. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah. Hey, Noah. Hey, Jesper. Um, excited to get this going here. Yeah. So we had, I think a couple of weeks back, we were like, hey, does any of any listeners want to come on the podcast? We just thought it'd be interesting to talk to some of you guys about the things you're thinking about and have kind of a discussion around there. And so Jesper reached out and we're like, hey, this is awesome. Let's let's talk with Jesper. So starting out, Jesper, do you want to just share a little bit about yourself so that we can have a little bit of, of course, context yeah. and listeners have a little bit of context? Yeah, so I'm an uh, IT consultant from uh, Stockholm, Sweden. I've been doing this sort of stuff like we've been talking about or like uh, what you usually talk about for the last 10 years or so. Uh, and I've been migrating back and forth from being a UX person or being a front end or full stack developer, whatever the new name is currently. And uh, I've also tried and, and failed a couple of times with uh, a couple of startups, uh, my own and uh, actual funded startups. Uh, so I've had like, I've dipped my toes into it, but I haven't succeeded mm -hmm. yet. So it's, it's uh, fascinating to sort of follow along when, uh, when you guys are doing this journey. It's really interesting. Cool. Yeah. Oh, nice. So you... Uh... So you had some experiences, like, were you going like full-time into like different like startups trying to get something going on your own or was it kind of on the side? Well, I've done both actually. So I, uh, um, I joined a startup that is really successful now. And uh, I was there when we took that to um, uh, the Bay Area and joined 500 startups a couple years ago. Uh, but they weren't really interested or they, they didn't really need to be working with a UX person at that time they really needed to hire a lot of developers. So mm. we kind of, I helped them fire me sort of. <laughs> and after that, and like during that time, I was also starting my own thing. So I helped them fire me into my own company and I ran my own startup helping uh, aspiring authors or aspiring writers become authors for a couple of years. Um, uh, so it's been sort of a mix of both. Cool, So, so you're basically like, uh, you guys don't need me anymore. I'll just uh, leave. <laughs> well, have you ever been at a job where you go like, you, you realize that, holy shit, like my, my skill set doesn't really fit what we're doing anymore. Like the company outgrew this or I grew out the, uh, I outgrew the company. And you kind of realize like, wait, we should probably fire me. Have you guys ever been in that situation? Because <laughs> that has happened to me several not. times. And it's a weird, <laughs> weird situation to be in. That does sound like a weird situation. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, I can definitely see that happen. Like I've definitely seen where it's like, it doesn't seem like a company is allocating resources very well. Yeah. And not that necessarily someone's not needed, but it's like, I feel like you could utilize that better. Yeah. Like th think about all the people who are working with UX right now in the, in the current Corona climate, right? Suddenly everyone is scrambling to sort of make sure that their bottom line is as in the black as possible or in the black if possible. And you can't really start fiddling around with so, like soft values too much because you really need to make sure the bottom mm, line is yeah. working. And if you're not participating in that, what the hell are you doing, right? Yeah. And that's now with the specific crisis. But I was once at a, a, an agency where I was running the agency 
and we were suddenly, we'd hired a manager. So I was supposed to stop running the agency to do what I'd done previously, but that was years ago. So there was no space for me to like mm -hmm. walk back into the role I used to have. So I was like, yeah, I should probably go someplace else. And I think a lot of people are in that sort <laughs> of space right now. Yeah, I think where, that uh, makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I've seen that happen to, to other people <laughs> a couple of times as well, actually. Um, I think being a developer in like an agency or a startup or whatever, you're pretty much the, the people keeping the lights on, like you're the builders who, yeah. who are the required ones to get this stuff done. So it hasn't hasn't actually happened to me, but I can. Well, I did see in the past other people being laid off um, if the company needed to, you know, save money or whatever. So yeah, I, <laughs> I think about I like the, I the animators at Slack. Like, remember where Slack started off, right? It was a it was a, a massively multiplayer online game. Think about the graphic animators of Slack. Yeah, like when they pivoted yeah, into being a chat app. Yep. I mean, they didn't have to get fired. It was just like, okay, yeah. I, my skill set just has nothing to do with the product anymore. I should probably go do something else. <laughs> like it's not yeah, well, that's <laughs> so quite bad a big blood. Pivot, it's just, so. That's true. That's true. But, <laughs> but like this happens all the time. Like especially that you guys are both entrepreneurs. So you started small, small-ish products, right? Uh, now what happens when you hire 20 people? Are you going to hire a boss or are you going to become a boss? Because you can definitely end up in the situation <laughs> where you outgrow where your company outgrows you, right? It might yeah, happen. I was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking that definitely if I, you know, stay a solo entrepreneur, I really hope I don't pivot to not uh, need myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would probably be bad. <laughs> I mean, it could be a good thing. It could be a great thing to like hire a manager and then go start something else. And the, the company just works by itself, you know? That's when you yeah, really achieve I mean, the perfect product market. There's fit. so many there's so many ways you can go with a company mm. and i mean there are that there are bootstrappers that that's what they try to do is they try to automate everything and just make it just a system that just works kind of perfectly on its own and then yeah. they can step away go do their own stuff i think that would be kind of cool like if i could get to that point but it's like it's really hard to know especially from the beginning if like you can get there or if even that's possible with your kind of business you know yeah that's very true. Yeah, I actually, so. I actually think it, it will take a lot of time to get to that point. And be, I still also think that because being the developer of it, there will probably be some some room for me still in uh, pushing this thing forward. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Unless no code takes your job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That could happen, I guess. I mean, if I improve that import just some more... <laughs> Yeah. The importer might actually take my job. <laughs> no, but I mean, uh, yeah, it could happen. No, but eventually, like, if you, if you, if you try to optimize your time, like, you, you need, um, if you constantly try to upgrade yourself to have the maximum amount of impact by like every unit of time you put into a project, eventually you're gonna end up in a situation where you will just be ordering stuff. You're just going to yeah. be, uh, be asking other people to do uh, stuff for you. And like you, you can, of course, end up in a situation where you're very important. And of course, that's going to feel great, but it's probably not that good for any process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd say it probably if you get to the point where you, have to, where you have to make some hiring decisions, that's the point where you need to be very clear where you want to actually go yourself. Like, what do you want to contribute to the company at that point? 
and what, what like what's what's the best fit for you probably so do i hire like somebody for marketing because i know i suck at it or do <laughs> do, do i hire somebody to develop uh like in the beginning which for me probably wouldn't make a lot of sense um but i i, I guess it's just transitioning as the as the whole thing grows but yeah, yeah. still far out there <laughs> yeah of course of course yeah I think it's uh, I think it's Justin Jackson who keeps talking about like creating a sellable company, or I think it uh, might yeah be. He's, um, he's he's talked maybe. about it before. I think it's Arvid Karl right now who um, who with Feedback Panda they uh, he, he did some extensive documentation and automated oh, a lot yeah. of stuff so it was easier to sell actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he has exactly. some really and good that, thoughts on that. Yeah, and that's like sort of what we're getting at here. Like it's an interesting sort of way to think about how to build your company because of course you want to automate as much as possible and you want to think about like what are you contributing to make sure that when you're not contributing anything it shouldn't be a problem like you you yeah. can't be a, a, yeah. a bottleneck for what you're trying to build which sounds I think weird already... when we're starting out on something but yeah i think this already ties a little bit into the topic we wanted to kind of move this whole thing <laughs> well kind of i was like we're kind of going off in a random direction yeah here. <laughs> sorry about that but, no it's interesting but it's also but kind yeah, we, of, we can bring it back yeah it's it's kind of in the same vein though i think because what we wanted to go to is like how do we know um where to go next with the product right and this i mean this also goes for the company i guess and hiring is kind of a part of that um so yeah, how, yeah, like where do we want to go next with our products? Uh, Noah, <laughs> you go first. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's a harsh well, one. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, well, I definitely want to jump into that. I did want to hear a little bit more from Jesper first, though. Mm. What what you're starting? I think it's called Tang. Yeah. So is this this is your new product, right? Yeah. So can you share a little bit what that is? And this is actually sort of why this topic interested me because Tang. Uh, Ting is a, a auto, atomic knowledge base, meaning that everything you add to it, every note you take, is in itself uh, a separate, discrete piece of knowledge that you can share, that you can publish, that you can do whatever the hell you want with. But it started out as just an idea of like, how can I write a journal for myself, or how could I create some sort of uh, bullet journal that is digital, just just for me. And then it grew into some sort of knowledge-based system. And then it grew into this idea of like, knowledge should probably not be personal. It should probably be built specifically to be shared to start with. And when I was at that point, when I was starting to think about the product in this way, Rome research just took off. And Notion had already sort of exploded, which I had looked at, but I hadn't really thought about it. And then I realized when I looked at Rome, I was like, wait, oh, wow, all of these people are thinking about the same sort of thing. This is a sort of a wiki, but a way better way to input information into it than wikis of the 90s. So that's that's thing. Uh, It's not launched yet. It's still um, still very rough around the edges. Uh, I've had some major issues because I, I built it on a AWS stack that isn't really apparently complete yet they say it's <laughs> hmm. at 1.0 but it is not <laughs> because nothing <laughs> works um so hmm. it's it's still maybe in, that's just aws <laughs> yeah it could be i guess <laughs> no but it's it's very uh, very early days still but it's um it's interesting because it grew into where it is and it seems to be like meeting other products going the opposite direction sort of uh 
So that's what I'm working on uh, at all hours of the day as soon as I could find the time to work on this. But that's why I got this, uh, that's, that's why I've been thinking about like, okay, so how do you know where you're taking your product? Like, even if you believe mm -hmm. that you know what your product is, you don't know if this is the value that your customer is seeing in the product. And mm -hmm. even if you do like the whole mom test thing and talk to a lot of people and realize that, wow, okay, so they, they are getting some value of this, they, they will actually pay for this. It might not be the perfect fit, or it might be the perfect fit right now, but in six months, they actually need something a little bit different, which is yeah. very sort of weird to, to ask clients about. Like, okay, so a couple of weeks ago when we spoke, your, your product was, uh, this product was amazing for you, but what do you feel, how do you feel about it now? Are there any mm -hmm. rough edges you dislike? Like, are there any products you're looking at that might replace this? That's not a question you can easily ask someone. Right. Yeah, it's definitely a hard, a hard question. Um, so yeah, my thoughts about it. And actually, uh, Jesper, how, how long have you been working on Tang now? Uh, I think it's, uh, wow. So design-wise, it's probably been like a year. Uh, but I've only okay. actually been developing it for two months. Okay. So yeah, I mean, it's, it is a hard question. I think it's a question that basically every entrepreneur has to kind of fight with, especially in the beginning. And I know I've definitely been fighting with that a lot because it's basically, it's not easy. It's, and it's not going to be the same for any, uh, journey or any product that someone's building. I think like there's so many ways to build a business and so many ways to get there. And it just kind of works differently for everyone, I think. Mm. Um, but one of the ways I was trying to think of it, I think there's kind of maybe, maybe I can do this. It's kind of simplify it to like two general paths. Like they're very pretty, yes, uh, general paths, but basically paths where it's very like founder led, where it's, you know, it's very much so the founder's idea that they're kind of creating in their head and that they want to go build. Mm -hmm. And so they kind of ha are imagining this idea of what their product's going to become. And I think they have a, those those kind of founders with those kind of products you know they really have kind of a drive i think to go out and build that thing they kind of know what they want to build next i think a lot of times and um i th well so i think that's a way that a lot of founders do it and to be honest i i don't like that way i think it's really risky yeah. um but i think also a lot of the entrepreneurs that are doing that that way they're kind of the ones that are going out and building something like new or more like, you know, more on the cutting edge, I think mm. like they like kind Ed of Williams can just like, medium and just hoping something will. Yeah. We, it's kind of like, they just had this idea. Someone. Like, I know this will work Yeah, and I just know it's something that needs to be out in the world and I'm just going to go build it. And I think what's interesting that I've kind of not, not that I'm like that old and I've been watching this for a long time, but I feel <laughs> like we're kind of going less towards that direction. Like, I don't know, maybe like 10 years ago, those were the kind of businesses and startups that were be being created all the time because there were so many like, just like obvious, like, aha, like this would be an amazing, helpful product. I'm going to go out and build it. And I feel like we're to a very mature point in the software world right now where there's just not obvious things like that. And so I feel like it's it's much harder now to build a business from that perspective of just like this thing needs to exist. I'm just going to build it kind of how I think it should exist and just do it. Um, so yeah, that, that that's like one way. Missing, 
like a lot of stuff that um, isn't obvious through like talking to to customers and stuff? Um, well, so I think it just means there's kind of like the waves are drying up in mm. some ways. Like a lot of the last 10 years has been built on basically new technologies. And that's usually how, you know, new technology, like technology startups come about is there's a new wave of like a new platform, like yeah. mobile, like the iPhone. Mm -hmm. um, and so then there's just tons like of opportunities yeah. where it's like, yeah, exactly. And so I just feel like those kind of waves are drying up. And once we hit some new thing, like I think there'll be like a huge like rush of like new things that are like, building companies to for the that area but it's like hard to know what that is mm. um so yeah i don't know that's kind of how i think of it on one side and then i think the other side like kind of the other direction you can take is kind of what you mentioned like very much so customer focused like talking to your customers a ton trying to understand mm. them as much as possible so that you know kind of what they need and and what you can build to help them um with your product and I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 that's how I'm, that's more so how I'm trying to do it right now. And my theory is that right now in the, well, actually, I mean, COVID-19 could maybe change this a little bit. There could be some new, some new um, opportunities just with that, that like, you know, someone could see and just go build and not need to necessarily talk to as many people. But I guess my theory is that right now we're um, just with where technology is at that you more so need to really find like a very specific problem that is going to be hard to just kind of come up on your own. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my initial thoughts, at least my knee jerk reaction. No, I like that. That's a really nice uh, dichotomy of like, uh, how, how startups come about or how companies uh, are created. And I, yeah. I agree with those uh, with those both types you mentioned, Noah, and I think that because you started out, uh, Jesper, you started out as like the idea was born out of your own need, basically. Yeah. Um. So, so you kind of fall more into the first category, right? So you're not you, you haven't like, um, you, you didn't go out there and ask some users before you started basically building it, which are you saying for my own business? Yeah, for Jesper's. Yeah, for Ting. Oh, for, yeah, yeah. For Jesper. yeah, because it's actually <laughs> yeah, exactly right, yeah. like the category one you described. I started building something yeah, yeah. for myself. Then I discovered a technology that was like, oh, I could yeah. use this. <laughs> so it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And now that that kind of leaves you in a in a in a spot where I certainly have been, which is you you later on discovered there is some competition like Notion and uh, Rome Research who are doing very well, yeah. and you're like, huh. So now, now what, like, uh, where, where to go from there, which I totally get. Um, so you kind of have to find a value proposition or maybe find a, or niche down a little bit more like Rome research and notion. They are very, like, they appeal to a very broad audience. Like anybody who does project oh, management, who yeah. needs to write something down, basically everybody who used, used or uses post-its, um, is interested in, in the, in that software basically, because they need to organize their stuff. Um, but at the same time, it is kind of like it, it's it's kind of funny that you chose that that category in a way because there are so many to do apps basically out there, yep. which is kind of the same, right? So it's it's a no, very I mean, it's classic not, thing. Like it's a developer scratching yeah. their own itch, sort of if, like it is the notes app of the first couple of generations of iPhone apps, you know, back in two thousand and eight yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. And it's the, all of the to do lists and everything. And it it really it, I didn't. I didn't 
consciously choose this as a project, you know, if, if I had, I would probably have gone the, the second route and actually try to find a problem and find some customers to talk about, uh, to talk to. But in, in this case, it was just, uh, just one of those side projects that just sort of grew into something that was like, huh, maybe I could do something with this. Yeah. I mean, I totally get that. And to be honest, I might sound like a little bit like a dreamer here, but I still think that even at the point you're at right now, you could still make it into something that is like so different from Notion and what Rome Research is doing right now that you can still find an audience for this. Um, so it's kind Possibly. of like... who knows, yeah. Like you, you kind of have to put in the hard work right now probably and find the distinction to apps like Notion and Rome Research. Mm. Um, and this could even be like very simple stuff like you're obviously good with design and UX, as you said. So this could be your first like big win over um, stuff like Notion. I mean, they do have, <laughs> like they Notion have really doesn't really look any yeah. bad, right? But, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, but I mean, even if you look at the to-do apps, they can, um, with very small differences, distinguish themselves from other stuff on the app store. Like um, the way that you, like you can only have like one to do per day or whatever. And th mm. that already can make such a huge difference and find an audience that is so big that it's actually worth building, right? Um, but is that, that's actually a really nice, um, really nice difference as well. Because uh, what Noah just said was that companies usually built, are usually built in one or two ways, right? Or at least started in one or two ways. But what you're scratching on now is uh, the idea of like going mass market or niche. Like how niche can you go? And that's almost like a gray zone uh, disregarding how you started the product. You can still sort of think about like, okay, so where you're going next needs to adapt to not just where your customers are right now, but where the competitors are. So you don't end up in the exact same space. So yeah. if all your competitors are very mass market, you have to go real niche. Or if every, all of your competitors are super niche, you have to go mass market. Stuff like that. Maybe, maybe a little hey. bit like that. But I, I mean, I also think that what Noah just described, they are definitely distinct routes in the beginning, but you can still like, if you went down the second road, um, do this, do the things that the, that the other person on the first route did before, right? Mm. So you could still like, if you like, you had the idea, you built it and you already have something and you can now still start doing some market research, talk to people and then see if what you have can be pivoted into something else. I still think that's not exclusive at that point. That's yeah, a very good point. Yeah. So how do you know hmm. when to pivot? <laughs> you both just well, so did, I... so you should be experts at this. Uh, I don't think that means we're experts. <laughs> well, we, we might need to pivot to again. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe we're experts at only pivoting. We just, all we do is pivot. We don't actually ever get there. <laughs> um, so, I do, so at least how I think about this, which I think can go back into a little bit, you know, of how do you know what to build next is, um, <clears throat> and, and I think this kind of follows the second kind of path I was saying a little bit, but kind of like you're saying, Ben, I think eventually you, you got to talk to customers eventually, like mm -hmm. eventually you have to sell it and eventually someone's going to have to buy it. So in some way you're going to be talking to customers eventually, no matter how you build it. But, um, kind of how I think about it is you, you, you have kind of like an a hypothesis, right? So it's like a, an experiment. And so maybe what you do, Jesper, is you, you, you want to try out this little niche. So you build 
something really small. Maybe you, you can start up talking to customers, just, you know, try to understand that niche more, but eventually you got to build something really small and hopefully it doesn't take a ton of your time. So you can just kind of test it out and just learn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that's kind of the best way to like find those niche markets, find those things that people need because then, you know, they're actually have it in their hands, they're trying it. Um, but you want to do it, obviously, you know, you want to iterate on it as quick as possible because you could really waste a lot of time. Um, and, and really the whole goal is just to learn. Like you're just trying yeah. to learn with every little thing you put out there so that you can figure out, is this an actual business that I can go forward with? <clears throat> and so I think that's really, you know, how you know when to pivot or not. Like when you just kind of have this, you know, the data kind of tells you, or the, you just have this terrible feeling in your stomach that <laughs> that thing that I just tested is just, it just isn't sitting right. Like it just doesn't seem like it's working or, you know, the data is showing that there's not really enough people liking this thing. And, you know, the people that I thought would like it, didn't like it. And obviously the hard part <clears throat> in the beginning is you don't have much data. You have probably a couple customers you're testing against. Mm -hmm. And so you really have to kind of understand their why and what you're expecting to work out and um, kind of go from there. <laughs> so it's, it's always a little bit of guesswork, I feel like. But um, I think uh, experience definitely helps, which you have, which is awesome, because you'll, you'll kind of have an idea of like a feeling of this seems like it's working or it's not working based on the, the feedback you're getting from your, your users. Yeah, um, I definitely recognize myself there. with that sinking feeling that when you put something out and all your users go like, meh. Oh, Jesus, I spent months <laughs> on that. Like, oh, shit. I, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Mm -hmm. But then there's always that hard question is like, um, do I just need to try a little harder to mm. get them to not be met or should I switch on to something else? And so then it's it's always a hard question. I don't think it's ever easy with that. But is it <laughs> yeah. is it ever really try harder? That's one of those things that I think come up a lot where I think I, I always try to default or I do default to trying harder. And I think I've never actually succeeded with that. It's one of those things where you should probably work smarter, not harder, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it probably just depends. Like, <laughs> I don't know. You hear tons of stories where that's what worked, where they, you know, pushed on this thing for multiple years and then it kind of clicked and the market kind of came around or whatever. Like, I don't know. There's stories on both sides, I think. Yeah, um, but who knows? <laughs> yeah, who knows? <laughs> yeah, that's that's a tough one, actually. I also think that if you if you just keep pushing the buttons long enough, I mean, you 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 probably if like let's say you keep at it for a year, uh, your product will s still be a little different than what it is right now a year from now, right? Even if you keep working at it, oh, you, yeah. like you're not pivoting away from it, but it will still change. And maybe there are some changes that when you keep going. Um, that actually make it more valuable than it is right now and then it starts to click with people so i, I definitely can't see that happening um but i feel it's super hard to actually know when to pivot for me it was like kind of a bad timing with the whole pandemic i'm <laughs> <laughs> so i was like i think this is like the sixth month right now working on playgroup yeah um so i, I started out and i was like hey this is kind of cool and um I'm, I'm building this thing, asynchronous communication, and um, this is probably really good for teams and uh, remote communication. 
Um, but at the same time, you could probably use it like in a teaching setting. Like if you're a teacher and you have some students, you could also use that to like, you know, give them their homework, collect it and whatever. Um, and at the same time, it's also like, hey, this could also be kind of like a forum. <laughs> but yeah, so then I was like, hmm, so it, it could uh, actually use cases. <laughs> yeah, it like it could be more than just one thing. And I was like, but probably from like, a make money with a perspective you should go after businesses so i was like hmm let's just try the remote work stuff right mm -hmm. um and then at some point uh, i i like had a working thing basically um and i started reaching out to people and then the whole pandemic happened and everybody was talking about remote work <laughs> <laughs> which is not the best timing to be honest um and at the same time I still have like this one part of the of the landing page commented out where it where it basically says like um, use playgroup for teaching or use playgroup for uh, as like a forum or for communities basically. So it's and it never made there? it to the it's a, like yeah it actually never made HTML? it to the actual production page. It's okay. still commented out in PHP I think, but <laughs> it's still on there. And wow, that I've, is amazing. Wow, you, all you have to do is uncomment some code <laughs> and you got multiple products. Yeah. <laughs> I mean yeah I. <laughs> <laughs> Very obviously i decided pivot. not to i obviously decided not to put it on there because like you, you can't basically do that like it's <laughs> you basically get to focus on one of those niches because you can't say like it's for communities it's for teaching and it's for remote work right because that like it's not very clear the value proposition is not very clear who are the like who is your target audience um so yeah. it never actually got uncommented um but then something funny happened and somebody reached out to me out of the blue and was like hey could you also like use this for a community and i was like uh yeah like <laughs> that's actually Let in the back of my mind for a long time code and it's gonna be <laughs> no but i was like yeah i mean i totally had that on my radar from the get-go i just didn't really focus on it and i actually pushed back on the first uh first person who was like can you use that as a form i was like yeah you could probably but i'm not sure i want to go that route yet because i was like let me try a little harder with uh, um, with the remote folks, right? And so I did. Um, but at the same time, what the person said is you could also go the route and um, basically like test the waters. And yeah. because you have a product that could work for both, just like take it and sell it as a separate product, like to a totally different audience. And that's kind of what I did. And at the same time started like, you know, changing the code so it could actually be like just a forum, took away the offline capabilities and stuff like that. Um, and started talking to more people at that point, <laughs> which led to me thinking that there is actually a need for more modern forum software and maybe even um, integrating with payments in the future. Um, so yeah, that it, it just kind of evolved. And it was actually just kind of dumb luck that that person, you know, reached out at that point. Maybe it wasn't just dumb luck, but it, it kind of came out of the blue, right? It was not the path I mean, that can, I wanted to go. You can call go. it dumb luck, but it also sounds like just genuine market research. Like people were asking you things and you were thinking about it and realizing that this could be an entirely different market. Uh, yep. that's, that's well done because you really pivoted uh, from a market signal, which is awesome. Yeah, that's true. Like having that, I mean, it's actually the first time that I felt like somebody actually pulled, yeah. <laughs> you know, like I don't have to push it up the hill, but somebody's actually going like, hey, could I use this for a forum? And that's, uh, that was already like in my head when I, when I thought about it for a week, I was like, that's actually a pretty strong signal and you should not just ignore that, right? <laughs> that would be just stupid. So, 
uh, yeah, that's kind of how my pivot happened. <laughs> <laughs> the market actually yeah. pulled you into a new direction. That must be yeah. the optimum way of pivoting. <laughs> Customers <laughs> throwing money at you. Come this way, come this way. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yeah. So Jesper, how are you currently trying to do this with Tang? Like, are, are you... Yeah. So like, how are you deciding, you know, you're obviously building something. So yeah. like, how did you decide to build that thing? So, uh, like I said, originally, I just wanted to build it for myself. So when I realized that this could be used in, in, so the, the core idea of course, is that every piece of information is atomic and you can share that, uh, any way you want. And when I realized that due to the technical choices I've made, it could be slightly different from all of these other things. I figured I'd have to build like some sort of super MVP of this and just push it out to a couple of people and see how they react. Uh, and I did that and Amazon broke. So I'm currently <laughs> in oh, a situation no. where, yeah, I'm currently in the situation where uh, I have to rewrite a part of the app to make it actually work again. Um, mm. Because Amazon changed uh, one of their frameworks a little bit. Um, so mm. this is sort of why I'm thinking about like, should I even do this? Because I have an investment of maybe like a month's work into this MVP and I have no information from any customers really. Uh, I have only like anecdotal, um, anecdotal, uh, people talking about this basically. And so now the question becomes like, should I, should I remove the AWS stuff and move over to this open source framework that does work. But that's going to probably take me a couple of weeks. A couple yeah. of weeks is a lot of time not talking to customers. Yeah. So it's a hard, <laughs> a, uh, it's a hard situation. It's to a be tough in. call. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yes, of course, as a I developer, was... like I want to write the code. So of course <laughs> I should do this. But at the same time, like what if I'm sniffing up the wrong tree and this is completely useless? I should just yeah, be spending my time on something way more interesting. So I have, I have two thoughts on that. <laughs> One of them being a developer and uh, thinking like if you like if you enjoy building it and if you don't have like the need to, you know, bring it to market soon, you don't need to earn money with it and you actually can see yourself working on it for a longer time anyway. Mm -hmm. um, then that's like a good signal to, hey, let's just, you know, invest some more time and build it um, because then you actually have something to show, right? And that can be a good a good point actually like it can be a strong selling point if people really like it in the end and you actually have something that's working already mm -hmm. that can make it easier to sell actually um at the same time because you already said like spending a few weeks not knowing if there's actually demand um i would say that if you can like if you can do it without coding like if you can get somebody to basically i mean in an ideal world you would get somebody to commit to using the product by just describing it to them in a way yeah um yeah if, if that's a route that you can take, then I'd pr I would probably go that route today because uh, it's just faster. <laughs> and you can actually talk to more people in the same time that you would need to just build it and haven't talked to anybody in that time. Um, so it sounds like you could get more validation in less time without building it. That's a very good idea. Sense. Yeah, <laughs> no, but the speed is, uh, is super important, of course. So, but Noah, you're in sort of the same situation, aren't you? How are you working with this? Um, well, except the uh, technical downfall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I, let's see, I pivoted from user engine to support man where, you know, user engine was, 
the almost the idea of user engine was to help other founders with what we're talking about right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, finding product market fit, stuff like that. And it was, yeah, it was very gooey, if that makes sense. Like it was very soft. Like it's, it wasn't a concrete idea almost. Like I was still almost figuring out what that, what that would look like. But mainly, um, I, I figured out where I wanted to go by talking to more people. And, and so I talked to like 30 potential customers and kind of almost similar to Ben, like started getting like a pull of like, oh, there's actually a problem over here that's kind of similar that people are are talking about um, that they have. And so that's kind of why I went that direction. And so before I built kind of what I'm building now, the support man MVP, like I had like a, a pretty good like conviction that there was something here that there, you know, I've talked to you know, out of the 30, there's more like 15 of them were actual like support managers, support, um, kind of people. Um, and so just kind of hearing what they're dealing with, what their problems are, it gave me enough to feel like, okay, I think there's something here now I'm ready to spend some time building, uh, building an MVP and going out and trying something with this. So, yeah, I feel like, every i feel like it's almost like a back and forth like you 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 learn for by talking to people and then you have enough to go out and do something with it and go build a little something then you take that back out to them and see like okay now what do they think about this and that will hopefully give you enough feedback to go back to the drawing board redo some things fix some things so i don't know like it's almost like you have to build up enough of like knowledge of this is what i need next to then go out and do it and then and then you're like well now i don't know what to build again and then you you yeah. go back to the customers and it's almost like you're building so up the confidence to actually believe in, in your yeah. idea right right yeah and so i think that's a, a good way to say it like yeah basically building up the confidence like that you feel good about what you're building that there's some potential there basically mm. So that's kind of how I looked at it, and that's kind of how I've landed where, where I'm at with Support Man. Um, I do think there's something with what Ben's saying, though, with, you know, especially if you just enjoy building stuff, I think it, it helps, you know, yeah. if you enjoy this stuff, because um, you could, you know, maybe take a little more risk and go build, you know, just build something because you enjoy it, it's fun, without maybe a, some of the confidence. Um, as long as, you know, you're not burning yourself out and you're enjoying it, it's like, well, might as well, well do it. Like I, I did that a little bit with user engine, even just because I wanted to play around with some new technologies and mm. that's fun. And so I probably didn't have a ton of confidence or as much confidence as I would have liked before I started building like a little MVP for it. But yeah, yeah I, and as like yeah, it's, uh, Ben it's, said it's earlier, mushy. as long as you're learning something, it's not a, it's not a lost investment or it's not lost time since you're learning uh, some technology yeah. or you're learning something that doesn't work, you know, it's, it's still progress. It might just not be right. very straight progress <laughs> towards the goal. Yeah, I think that's a good way of looking at it. I think if you like, if you take it very seriously and you're just in it for the money and you just want to move forward very quickly and make it a business and get customers and just like, like maybe even doing it for the wrong reasons, like just to earn money with it. Uh, you could like, this could be, this could make you feel 
bad <laughs> like if it doesn't work out then right then you'll just you have a bad your head yeah yeah you'll just yeah. have a bad time actually you won't enjoy it at all <laughs> that's true but if you're well, just is, after making is... money i mean why would you be an entrepreneur that's just the uh, the hit ratio is just so bad <laughs> well, way that's better true to also, go yeah. into marketing <laughs> or something yeah yeah that is good to think about uh ben is basically i feel like what you're saying is like thinking about your goals like we need yeah. to have goals and whatever we're building or doing needs to kind of align with those goals. And so I think that's a good thing to kind of check up on every once in a while. Mm. Like, am I actually building the thing that I want to? And is it, is it possible to reach the goals that I have? Um, Cause yeah, I think if you just go off without looking at what you really want to build uh, in terms of your goals, like you're, you could end up somewhere you don't want to end up <laughs> and it just kind of takes you there like a, a roller coaster or something. And all of a sudden you're at like some dead end. Um, so I think that's really important to keep looking back at that throughout what, what you're doing and learning and the progress. That is a very good yep. point because in my last startup, I ended up being a, uh, basically an email service. Uh, and I had no intention of becoming that whatsoever. It started out as a motivational app for, for writers. And it just sort of slowly, slowly migrated into becoming basically an emailing service that people were getting uh, motivational quotes by email. And uh, mm. it took years, so I didn't really notice it. But I remember sitting there one night going like, oh my God, why am I doing this? What, why am I trying to integrate with it yet another email service? <laughs> and it was just oh jesus i can't believe i'm spending my time with this <laughs> so i think you really hit the nail on the head there that's a very 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 good thought yeah it's like it becomes an animal that's controlling you yeah, <laughs> yeah don't let that happen <laughs> well um this has been a really good interesting discussion hopefully this was helpful for all of you listeners and if you have something to add to it uh, hit us up on Twitter and, um, Jesper, where can people find you and what you're working on? I'm at jesperbyland.com or jesperbyland on Twitter. Um, or you can uh, just check out ting.is. Awesome. And we'll, we'll put that in the show notes. Awesome. Um, but thank you for joining us. It's oh, been awesome so to have you on the episode. Me on. This yeah, has been that was great. Fun. It's so guys, uh, so great to meet you guys. I mean, I've been listening to you for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yes same <actually>. awesome <laughs> <laughs> all right well thank you listeners and have a good one we'll talk to you next week see you next week